selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You know, <laughs> okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash book club. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No This is a headgum podcast. That knocking at the door It's all your friends, you filthy whore Your husband's gone And we've got books And a bottle of wine to kill It's Hollywood It's books It's gossip I'm shook It's memoirs It's martinis It's Studio 54 It's Fellini. Celebrity Book Club Come read it while it's hot Celebrity Book Club Tell your secrets, we won't talk Celebrity Book Club No boys are allowed Celebrity Book Club Buzz me in, I brought the Cuervo. What up? This is Chef Lily Murata. And this is sous chef Stephen Phillips Horst. And this is Celebrity Book Club. Uh, hey, best friend. Hey, best friend. I am very excited to talk about this week's book, which is none other than Momofuku, inventor, restaurateur, god of food. Chef, god of food, TV personality. Podcast personality. Reinvented the Bosom. Uh, 10.30 p.m. dining vibe. Invented are- standing in line in 2008 for ramen. Literally, which is what New York is now all about. We are talking about the hot new book, Eat a Peach. The memoir by David David Chang. Chang. As I was reading this, I was just being like, there's such a Joe Rogan energy to every single chef. Oh my God, yeah. It's so... Every single chef thinks that he invented everything that he's ever done. Like, anytime he has an idea, he's just like, and then my fucking mind exploded. First line is always just like, so you want to open up a fucking restaurant? Don't. Okay? (laughs) Don't. Take my fucking advice and don't. Okay? Because cooking, it's for the misfits. It's for the convicts. It's It's for the alcoholics. And I'm like, so everyone's an ex-con in every kitchen? (laughs) No, I mean, obviously there's like seedy characters, but it's like chefs have this psychotic megalomania that I guess like forces you, or I guess that you have to have. You honestly have to have unless you... Unless you're almost, you would be known for not being like a crazy egomaniac and they would write about it and they'd be like, something in his Danish kitchen was different. Mm. Yeah, that's why people say, don't ever date a chef. Well, also don't ever date a chef because they make shitty food when they get home because they're tired of making amazing food. Kind of like how you're a maid, but then you get home and you're like, right, I'm not cleaning I don't want to clean. <laughs> right. And it's, well, it's funny that you brought up that because I feel like so much of what David Chang did with his food was like, I want to make food for the cooks getting off work. Yeah. And that's kind of how the Bosom came about. Yeah. Okay, I'm already hungry mm. talking about this book. The Bosom, if you don't know, is... It's a sort of reinvention of a traditional Korean meal that's usually with pork belly, which is kind of like tough. And then he made it with um, slow simmered pork shoulder. And it's a absolutely massive hunk of pork shoulder that you can get at Momofuku Sambar. 
They bring it out. You have to order it 24 hours in advance. And the seatings are only at, like, non-dining hours. It's like 5.30 or 10.30. It's so like fucking badass. So New York. It's just like, uh, yeah, no, you're not going to fucking get your bosom at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. But, yeah, so you may be familiar with David Chang's uh, Momofuku Empire of Restaurants. Obviously, the first was... Um, Noodle bar. Noodle bar. And then he opened Sambar. And then there was Co. And then there was Ma Pash. Then there was Nishi. Then he has Las Vegas restaurant in the city. He became, you know, a I Sydney think restaurant. A lot of chefs, you know, celebrity chefs end up going the route of like doing the Vegas restaurant because it's an like, easy cash grab. And then they maybe do it in LA or London or, you know, some other city with a lot of money, essentially. Um, but just to back up for a second, let's just discuss the cover of the book. Okay. Yeah. I, I love the cover. I love the cover. I love the cover. It's gorgeous. And, yeah. As much as we do talk about, like, we will talk about how he is, like, kind of a crazy rageaholic, an egomaniac. Mm. Like, he is, you know, I do think he is. He does check himself in this book. Uh, there's some checking. It's checking yourself because if he didn't check himself, It's, it's he checking himself in a self-conscious way to, like, look good so that people yes. think that he's aware of, like, what an asshole he is. But, like, I don't really think substantively he is actually aware of what an asshole he is. I don't know. Okay. He really, okay, whatever. The cover is, he said in the beginning that he wanted, you know, the editors were like, put your face on it. And he was like, I don't want my face on it. I've never seen a book that the first chapter is all about his like neurotic conversations with the editor about what the cover looks like. <laughs> this is like yeah. truly one of the most neurotic books I've ever read, which he, I kind of love. No, but- I know. Like, that's why I am just like, he does check himself because every other page he's just like, oh, but I did say the thing and I am cringing about this and just like. And if there's emails, or every page has 16 footnotes on footnotes. It's like very very footnoted. But yeah, so the cover is he's pushing a giant peach up a hill. And there's which, like an ocean. Which, do you remember the Greek myth that it evokes? It's si- Siphonius? Oh, let's... Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm pouring Lily some sake, but... Um, Pause for sake pour. Um, It's like Dionysus and Siphonius or something. Okay, no, close. Me Dionysus to- isn't really involved in the myth. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're a little more big... Book of Greek Myths. Yes, I was big Book of Greek Myths, and all faggots are big Book of Greek Myths. My sister was very also big. It's girls and faggots. Well, I would say, you know, big Book of Greek Myths is kind of the original, like, the way that gay men have to watch any television show with a female protagonist, like, Mm. forever. It's Mm -hmm. very that, because, like, the women, it's very gossipy, it's very soapy. (laughs) Super sudsy. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, Zeus and Hera, everyone's having affairs and like killing each other over their affairs. And it's it's very dramatic. It's very sexual. Oh, absolutely. You know, maybe I would have paid attention a little more in fourth grade <laughs> if they showed a little more sex in the Greek myths. So the myth that you did not, that you got close to pronouncing was <laughs> Sisyphus. <laughs> Sisyphus. <laughs> um, who famously pushes a rock up a hill and he's sort of condemned for all eternity to push this massive boulder up a hill. And then it comes back down again and then he has to do it again. Ringing a bell. And it's like, that is kind of the metaphor for David Chang's career because he's just like a workaholic and like never feels like he's on top and is just like, I need to do the podcast. I need to open a restaurant. I need to have a magazine. I need to have seven restaurants, which he claims are not for the money. Which well, is... but then it's like, then bitch, you wouldn't have opened Las Vegas yeah. if you didn't care about the money. It's just so cuckoo. He's like, ugh. Like, I'm only opening Vegas to, like, have money for my, like, passion project yeah. magazine. Well, and then, But then he's also be just like, everything I do is just to get asses in seats because I want to feed people. Right. You're like, asses in seats as in money. And so the, also he doesn't have um, dessert or coffee at Noodle Bar. Right. Because he's like, we're not we're not fucking doing this, like, bullshit sit around for 20 minutes after the check comes I and mean, like, have I a coffee. I mean, I truly lulled when he was like, yeah, no more time for your friend to tell, like, one more 20-minute yeah. story. And it's like... <laughs> No, that was actually one of my favorite parts of the book where he dragged the 20-minute story because it's so, like, you're starting a long-ass story when the check comes and it's like, wrap it up, bitch. Yeah, and people see and you're like, oh, please don't. Yeah, because I do think the thing about the 20-minute story is it's the friend who hasn't kind of spoken up throughout the dinner, I think. Oh, and they're kind of pushing it in at dessert and they're like, okay, so funny thing at work on Thursday. And... (laughs) No, it's so... it's, It's very the... The Simone, shall we say, the Simone of the friend group, the Beelis girl who like after like not participating super hard, like sees kind of a lull at the end. And she's like, this is my moment to tell this boring work story. Well, because also when everyone gets the dessert menu, it's always like, hmm, 
I don't know. Should I, we? I would. I mean, I would. I would share, share if you want to get the pistachio like panna cotta. I, I, would, I would have if you okay. I would it, have a spoonful. And everyone's like, to my okay, can we get um thirty spoons? <laughs> <laughs> No, 30 spoons and one like sorbet manicotta, tiny pistachio leaf. Um, But let's let's go back a little. I want to go back to the sort of origins of the 2000s and kind of what the New York restaurant scene was like then. Specifically what the New York restaurant scene was like vis-a-vis Asian food. Um, yes. Or, or talk about the first time you went to a Chinese restaurant, whenever that was, and, and just... I know, think take, let's talk about prompt. kind of a little bit of the landscape of 08, because honestly, embarrassingly enough, I've only been to his Vegas restaurant. That's really sad. So, yeah, I can't believe I've like never been to Noodle Bar. It's like, actually, I should... It's illegal. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, yeah, I mean, you're diseased and you're poor and you should get that checked out. (laughs) Um, but I, so, you know, I was obviously, I've been living in New York for about 36 years and (laughs) I do remember. So by the way, this book made me feel so not accomplished, just like David Chang, like by 34, which is my age, he had already opened six restaurants. Yeah, but he was also just starting a podcast and so are we. (laughs) I think we're really we're right, right on track. We're on the same uh, level. We're yeah. right where we need no, to be, baby. No, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, so If only my dad had leveraged his golf equipment store, maybe <laughs> I would have opened up my hoagery. <laughs> um, yeah, so just what you're referencing is the fact that David Chang was a – his dad owned a golf equipment store and he was a in golf greater prodigy DC, in a greater teen DC. golf prodigy, which is – as a lesbian, you play golf. <laughs> I, as a lesbian, I play golf. And my dad once took me to a driving range while my sister was doing something fucking girly shit. So, you know, I ranged as a kid. My father was not a Joe Chang. He was not a Andre Agassi's father. You yeah. know, he wasn't whipping me no. on the driving range. And it's interesting because he was, you know, in many ways, he was a kind of classic immigrant father. Yes. But he, yeah. he didn't. He wasn't a drill sergeant. Well, you know why? It's because. I know why. <clears throat> yes, queen. <laughs> I think because, okay, Alec Baldwin says this perfectly in 30 Rock, is saying, you know, the first generation, they're an immigrant, they work at a factory. Then the next generation, they, you know, do all they can to become a doctor and just, like, mm-hmm. go to school at night while working at the fast food place. Third generation, they become a snowboarder, yeah. podcast producer. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. Yeah. So my grandfather, immigrant, my my grandmother goes, your grandfather had Mad Hatter's disease. <laughs> <laughs> from working in the factories. The Wait. mercury, it's like an actual thing. What? That's where the Alice in Wonderland thing, both my grandparents had Mad Hatter's disease because they worked in the hat factories in New York. And it's the mercury that they used for the pillbox hats for the fedoras. How do you think they stood Why up? Why is there mercury in a hat? I don't know, darling, but there was. <laughs> Wait, so millinery is like actually one of the most toxic professions. Yes. And so, you know, and my mom was like, so it made him very angry. So Joe, my grandfather, I think, was the kind of the Joe Chang. My dad is the David Chang. Right. Your dad is the sort of striving professional, right? Yeah. No, I mean, that's very true. It's like you have the working class parent who then, I mean, I think it's, you know, my grandmother worked in literally in factories, like making whatever, like. Did she get Manhattan's disease? Um, She probably got something else. I think she had just like 50s wife disease Disease, where she was like overlooking abuse while like cooking bad meals kind of vibes. (laughs) A lot of canned vegetables. But she was like, did make like whatever bombs in a factory for World War II or or whatever. Was like assembling like rifles. And then and then my mom was like striving professional climbing to the top of the corporate ladder. And then, of course, I am. A layabout podcaster, like yeah. Um, but to sort of get back <laughs> to, to circle back, to circle back to two thousands New York. Back then, it was all about reservation. Pre, I would say Momofuku landscape was these you know fancy things where it was fancy Italian, fancy and Italian. it's fancy French. But well, David no. Chang says there was like no like exclusive, basically like Asian restaurants, which I like don't believe. So yeah, this is this is like one of my issues with him because he's always just like, people wouldn't pay a lot for Asian food. It's like, there's tons of very expensive. He was also saying that you, you couldn't, people like 
only thought good food was paying $60 for a steak. It's like, no, people do appreciate. Like, it's called, like, St. Mark's. I, he was, I, I feel like he was a little bit acting like St. Mark's didn't exist and, like, there wasn't Izakayas where you can, like, get grilled. He like, acted like he invented St. Mark's. He, all, he also acted just like people weren't willing to pay more money. It's like, you and I were going to Changshou, the, like, fancy Chinese restaurant in <laughs> Cambridge grew. after, like, every school play, yeah. like, for years. Oh, I miss Changshou. It's like, liberal moms, like, love to pay, like, $30 for an entree, like, yeah. at a Chinese restaurant. I also I think that he has kind of a weird blind spot when it comes it's like Japanese well he doesn't talk about it's like he. I think he's talking about he's not talking about sushi you know because it's we're not talking about but Japanese food is behind French cooking is the most like expensive lauded like national culinary art like in the world it's like the precision the expertise the well, technique but I think the attention that... to French ingredients like, like Japanese food and like if you look at the three star Michelin restaurants in New York the only one that's not French is masa. It's like that is which is which is sushi. It's like people will pay a gazillion dollars for sushi for 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 sushi. But I don't think he's talking about sushi. I think he's talking about he's talking about Korean food. He's talking about Vietnamese food. He's more talking about yes, you know how absolutely. just like people if you know. I would say in 2004, if someone, that's the thing. I was like, if you were like, yeah, this like pho is like $27, people would be like, what the fuck? Like, I can go to Chinatown and get like pho for like six seventy five. It's like this total hole in the wall. Like, why would I do that? Yes. I, I think he's I, he's totally right that there was, I think, a lack of upper, I would say upper middle price tier. Yes. We're talking like the 23. To the 23 price tier of like Asian food that was like respected as like hot restaurants because you had well but then okay but see then it's like this gets me back to the, the landscape of the 2000s Mufu came up in the age when Asian restaurants in New York were like Megu Tao yes, Buddha like, Bar like you, basically it was a nightclub restaurant just where, full sex in the city where you have a massive like, iced Buddha like these <laughs> restaurants are so funny and he did this thing that annoys me that's like People are so fucking obsessed with the East Village narrative. And again, like, right. it's oh, like. Oh, saying that, it, like, when I first went there. No one was there. there. there it's there like, there were syringes in the street. Right. Oh, you couldn't walk with a heroin addict, like, pushing you out of the way. It's like, you're acting like the East Village when you opened Momofuku was the same as Patty Smith's East Village. Who Even uh, Patty uh, Smith, I mean, I'm no, sorry, I'm was saying. Patty she's, Smith ever fucking like attacked? Like, no, in- she's carrying as well, Patty Smith. It's like everyone, if the word East Village, you know, it's just like they're just so horny for that narrative that's like, oh, it was fucking boozers and, and sailors and losers and and everyone had knives. No, there, there's this like gentrifier savior narrative <laughs> yes. that like that Danny Meyer does, that David Chang does, that like everyone does where it's they're kind of just like, yeah, like no one would even respect this neighborhood until I went and opened up like a restaurant that served $22 entrees at. And it's like, congratulations. Like you have yeah, to be so fucking David brave Chang to like go to claiming that he invented the East Village. I was like, absolutely miss me with this one. Simmer. Yeah. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. You're trying to find a cause for your symptoms. Achy back, headache, runny nose, itchy eye, wart on my genitals. So let me guess, you stumbled down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. Suddenly I have cancer? Uh, no thank you. <laughs> there are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. Though randoms, I love you, and my TikTok addiction, yeah, it stands. But I'm sorry, Lily, you shouldn't be getting medical advice from some girl in her grandmother's basement in Toronto. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. That's right. Ditch the talk, get the doc. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. 
Mm, I love a trusted guide, like the time I climbed to Machu Picchu on the Inca Trail with a team of Sherpas. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. So find your Sherpa at ZocDoc.com. Go to ZocDoc.com slash book club and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Slay. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash book club. ZocDoc.com slash book club. Ditch the talk. Okay, also... Chefs, I mean, they're literally out of control. It's just like, so when he signs the lease for Noodle Bar, it's also like always just like, <laughs> I wasn't fucking sleeping. Just like, please, my apartment, it was a it was a futon covered in vomit. I unplugged the fridge, you know, these dramatic narratives. Yet, I mean, I believe it. Running a restaurant is really hard. <laughs> No, it's really hard because you have to, like, work a lot. Like, and it's, work like, a lot. And it's, like, not something I could really do. So this is also where we get to know his full rage problem, where he's, like, I don't fucking even need servers. Yeah. I, is so insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say, like, I, I get the sort of antipathy between back of the house and front of the house because hmm. front of the house gets a lot of credit. Front of the house, like, the customers interact oh, with and yeah. love and they praise. And, like, well, the biggest problem you have this back of the house that's, like, everyone, like, in a cramped, hot kitchen, like, working their asses off. Making like, the food that making is going to get reviewed. Making the actual food and, like, doing much harder work than just fucking walking around. No, I mean, the biggest problem probably one of the biggest problems in the restaurant industry that I feel like Danny Meyer is like trying to solve with the whole like tips are included is that just like any cook is still just basically making like $11 an hour and then like servers can make up to 100000 a year. Right. Because they are getting this. The tips. Well, but I think don't a lot of restaurants do tip out like where so they, they combine do, it all and they yeah. and, they, and the, the, the back of the house gets as much as the front of the house in terms of like so, it's all But it totally varies. Yeah. Right. So, and there no, and there aren't there aren't sort of standards in place. So you know, right? It's like not that being a server is not like also very hard and like one of the most like, stressful jobs like ever. But I'm just saying the. I mean, it's not that hard. Gay people can do it, so it can't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. I would just like to recall a memory of um when you trailed to be a host <laughs> for I my ex girlfriend, and you failed so bad. And I remember she came home and she was just like. Stephen was like so awkward in his trail and just like I wasn't cut out for that vibe. I yeah. mean, I did end up being an usher at City Winery oh, for like. Oh no, and we applaud your usher. Thank yeah. you, but like that was as much as I could do was take people to their seat and then like maybe tell them what wine to get out of the like four wines that were available at this like Sinead O'Connor concert <laughs> at City Winery. Why were only four wines available at a winery? Oh, because they're selling their own wine. They're selling their own wine. So they have like, they have a cab, they have a Merlot, they have a Sauvignon, whatever. My restaurant, that's why I kind of, what in my kind of artist day job, I went made because I can just like be alone and sloppy and like listening to headphones and like do physical labor versus like restaurant industry. I worked one restaurant job in the world. Yeah, what? You failed a restaurant job so hard. My sister like got me a job at this Mediterranean restaurant and I like worked for it and it was just like a very, just like, it was in Medford, Greater Boston. And after two days, the owner just like gave me 80 bucks and was like, we'll call you and never got called again. Like, I'm also, I also, I think people are like, Lily, you work in a restaurant, please, you're going to drop all the plates. <clears throat> and I agree with that. So, anyway, back to David Chang back for a to quick David second. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Chang, um, Started Momofuku in the mid 2000s amidst this sort of like big nightclub Asian restaurant like vibe and was the first person to be like in his mind. He's like, you know, he had spent time in China and Korea and had like seen like, you know, really good food being given to the working man and like great dumplings. And being he, served you know, he to, like, also had factory workers worked at, you know, the great Tom, you know, the Tom Colicchio's restaurant. So, so this is I think that is is really interesting about him where it's like as a child, he was a golf, golf prodigy. prodigy. Oh, um, also, he was raised, like, super crazy Christian. Super crazy Christian. Which, th- I think, totally, he doesn't, like, I feel like, as not to maybe offend his parents, I don't know what, but it's, like, I just feel like that totally informs, like, his rage yeah. and insecurity. Yeah. Well, literally, everyone is him is, like, a missionary. Yeah. And it's just, like, and he was, like, going to church and then Sunday school and then, like... Everything was church. Yeah. 
Um, you know, which is very immigrant family and it's very right. Korean American. And it's like, obviously, we know like Christianity has a lot of repression. Like, really repressed. Yeah. So it makes sense that that would come out in this anger. And he does admit, like, he talks about his therapist a lot in the book, and he's always just like, and, like, everything with Dr. Elliot does come back to my parents, ultimately. Right, it's, he kind of does that, like, classic therapy thing where you're just like, yep, and obviously everything in your life, it goes back to your parents. And here's the thing, it's like, his dad was just like, yes, like, he, basically, I feel like the root of all of his anger is in his childhood. Yeah, the, he the, 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 trips go, the some, go-kart incident. The go-kart. He, oh, he's in a go-kart. He basically breaks his leg, he, and his dad doesn't take him to the hospital for five days. They do this. It's very, like, 1950s, and it's like they're racing go-karts down the street. And he Uh-oh. kind of falls out of his go-kart, and it runs over his leg, and it, like, breaks his leg or something. And he's, like, laid up on the couch for days, and the dad is just being very stern and just, like, you're fine. Like, right, I'm not like taking man you. up. Man up. Like, being so Sarah Palin and man up. And then <laughs> at one point, he takes yeah. him to an acupuncturist. Oh, like, so when he, and, and David Chang asked him, like, later on, he's like, literally all your friends were doctors, yet you took me to this, like, famous acupuncturist? For, like, literally a broken leg. And then, like, when he finally gets an x-ray, they're like, yeah, like, it's broken, like, you need to set it, like, it'll be better. And so, obviously, like, everything in his life and his insane chip on his shoulder stems from his parents. From this broken leg and but, Christianity. You know, the- but then his his father becomes, who is the one who basically, that's why he can open Noodle Bar at yeah. 26 is gives because him the loan. his dad gives him the loan and raises money within like their entire community in like Richardson, Virginia or whatever, basically gives him $100,000. Yeah. Because his dad was like part of like, it seems like was almost part of a cabal, I want to say, like a, like an actual like price fixing community of Korean <laughs> yeah. golf store owners in different neighborhoods of greater DC where they each had a different territory and they like agreed to like charge a certain amount. Right, for their, and then later on he finds out when I think he opens up Som or Co. that his dad leverages yeah. the golf business again. So his dad was a huge supporter of his life. But it's also classic. It's like his dad, he only found out his father's right. love because his father was leveraging his golf but company. They, they could the never dad, say they could the say, words. I love you. They, oh, this is a crazy. His therapist doesn't tell him he is bipolar till very recently because he knew that if he told him that he was bipolar, he would like, this is also like giving him like he's like I'm such an like an obsessive like he's like I had researched my bipolarness like too much if I knew I was bipolar. I I, I find him Which to is... be a little bit obsessed with his like own he's kooky girl yeah. narrative, <laughs> like in this way where he's like 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 yeah like and then it turns out I was like even crazier than that I'm I'm such a hypochondriac I'm like so neurotic I have to like drink to fall asleep and I'm like super <laughs> angry and like no one likes me but it's I'm it's like it's like babe I'm still just hearing. Me, 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 right. me, 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 me. And like one thing I will say that kind of bothered me about this book versus Anthony Bourdain's book, Kitchen mm-hmm. Confidential, is in Bourdain's book. Which we'll do it some point. Which will have a separate Le- episode I mean, about. also, this book can't exist without Kitchen Confidential. It doesn't exist without Confidential. And Bourdain's a big character in this book. And we'll get to yeah. their relationship, which I think is beautiful. But, you know, in Bourdain's book, Chang, like, so basically right after he, like, can't be a golf prodigy anymore because he like gains a ton of weight and gets huge in high school and then he like <laughs> throws off yeah. his swing and now he's like this big boy you can't play golf he like goes to culinary school and what i do find insane about his career is that he literally just goes from culinary school to working at craft under tom colicchio and then working at fucking cafe balloon like one of the like most like high level expensive like fancy restaurants in the city it's like wait where was your like toiling up the ladder here's the thing i feel like about like being a chef is like I think you can like if you're just like I come in and you're like I want to be a little bitch yeah yeah and then you do be a little bitch be a little bitch yeah and then they're just like okay why don't you scrub this for seven hours and then you work your way up he talks about the guy who went to Estance in Paris Mm. and like showed up every day for four months with his knives being like I want to work and they were like no and then after four months they were like fine and now he like has his own Michelin restaurant so there you go. And that's why it's like, I mean, to roast this narrative, but you have you do have to be psycho. You have to be psycho and desperate. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to be like, yes. I mean, as he says in the end, in his like epilogue of 33 reasons, like to become a chef or whatever, it's like you have to like not care about a clock. You can't like want to hang out with friends. You can't have a life like. 
you're never going on a Friday again, bitch. Sorry. It's a very, um, I feel like the mentality when I sold Christmas trees that they were trying to um, put on me, just being like, you're not going to fucking have a life. Like, <laughs> this job isn't for everyone. Like, we we eat sleep trees. And it's like, at least with being a chef, you're like, it's you have a drive to do it, but well, I was like, you're also creating something. You're like, creating something you like really gorgeous. Like, I was like, you weren't really creating like new trees. I'm so fucking proud of this tree. <laughs> right. It's like, yes, if you're doing like a gorgeous like, I mean, scallop crudo, were you, absolutely. were you ever proud of any of your Christmas tree sales when you worked at that Soho Christmas oh, tree? Oh, stand? I was. Well, I also decorated wreaths that then I would decorate a wreath. They would sell for what? One twenty. Oh, wait, so you actually had a huge creative outlet. Yeah. Well, I started as a wreath decorator, and then they saw something in me, and they moved me to sales. I think they saw that I was a lesbian. And because all the Rus- all the tree salesmen were just Russian men, and they put all, like, the girls and, like, one gay guy in, like, the tree decorate the wreath decorating tent. And we just, like, put cones on shit, and then they, like, sell it for, like, $200. This is... I'll, I'll name drop it Soho Christmas Trees. And it was run by the most insane David Chang guy. And he, like, I cried many times. He would scream at me. He would scream at your mise en place for because your tree? Because they, they worked on this whole crazy thing. It was like a good cop, bad cop where their prices were, like, tiered and it was kind of all opinionated. So I would give a price and I'd be like, oh, this tree is, like, 320 And someone would just be like, that's insane, but... And I'd be like, well, let's go see what the guy at the trailer says. Oh, and then he would be like, how about this? I'll give it to you for 280 and I'll throw in the reef for only 10 And then he would ream me out and like scream at me. In front of in the In front customer. of the people. And so then they would feel so bad, bad that they would buy you. the yes. tree. Then they buy the tree. Then they like that give me 20. psycho. And then like, I'm like, I'm like 24. I'm wow. just like, this is one of my like first jobs in New York. I'm like crying. Just like, it's like 20 degrees. You using the like uh, like their sympathy. Yes, using the sympathy. And it's like these Soho people just being like, this is so fucking awkward. Like all I, I mean, want is a Christmas tree. And now I'm like wrapped in this like insane, this like insane emotional saga. And yet it worked. It worked. Hmm. Anyway, I feel like I just to bring it back. No, to let's bring second, it back to Jane. I, I had a sort of like comparison that I wanted to make uh, to the Bourdain book um, and the way that Bourdain sort of talks about the restaurant industry is that I do think, you know, as much as David Chang tries to acknowledge his rageaholism and like say that he's like, can be an asshole or whatever. What I don't, you know, I do not think that he really like elevates the people in his book who are the dishwashers and are the line cooks and are the, like the service and like everyone else in the restaurant industry. He is very much like taking with like, you know, chef culture. And I think like, and like with like big male, like badass chef culture and, Bourdain like is as well but Bourdain's book is all about the like the people of the kitchen and he's always just being like yeah man like me and the fucking Ecuadorians and the Puerto Ricans like we get together and we like slap each other's ass we go out for drinks afterwards and like we fuck each other's wives and like there's like there's this like celebration of the kind of like all of the undersung people well I will say I think why that's true is because like why I think Bourdain is also such an amazing like writer and became this figure is because like Bourdain was like never actually an amazing chef yeah he like Bourdain and Chang says this like is heart line cook and that's why he he is like he never worked f- at a Michelin star restaurant. He never worked at it. It's like he worked at Le Hall, which is just like a fide-eye. His main thing was just like this fide-eye French restaurant. That and was it's like, like so steak frites for business guys at 10 p.m. Right. Just like and it's fire like, it up and send it out. That's And it's, and you know, worked in all these P-Town, whatever. And it's like he became famous because of Kitchen Confidential because he was like, this is the heart of the restaurant. And I think that's just like why he is wise. And it's like Chang... Is a visionary, but like he's but he only like, cares is... about he cares about the James Beard Awards. He cares about the Michelin stars. He cares. He is an elitist who like is obsessed with this world. Well, he does. I mean, he does love his team. He he loves no? his team at the award show. He loves his team at certain moments when he says, "I took my whole team out for drinks." But he obviously doesn't love his team no, every day. Yeah. Or you would hear more about the team. Yeah, you don't you'd... hear about a single fucking like well, line cook true. or dishwasher in the. You hear about the Christina Tosi. You hear about right. like the famous pastry chefs and like other people yes, who went on has risen. It's to like, become. He's, he only cares about other chef rock stars. Yes, he cares about people who've like Paul Karma, like everyone yes. who ends up runs the restaurant. And he, but he does love the narrative of just like. She showed up. It's like him. She showed up as an intern. 
He care he it's like And now so, she's the CEO. But right, he's you know never just it's like very Mark Cuban. Like he's very yeah. just like every time on Shark Tank then someone says, I sold every last like like tchotchke that I had to make $300 to start my business. And and like we invested every penny right back into the business. And Mark Cuban is just like you are the American dream. It's like, that's David Chang where he's just like, he likes people who like fucking work so hard and show up at well, 4 a.m. Right. It's like his whole thing is that if someone, when someone comes in, like one person like asked, like, when do we get off or something like that? And he like reams them out. A Nazi. And this is also when he thinks, this is past his point when he thinks he's like overcome because he goes through this crazy executive training and he thinks he's overcome the rage. And then it comes back, and he's always like, at the end of it, he was like, and I, and I, I was not proud of it. Um, you know, I was not happy about that. Mm-hmm. And it's like maybe someone needs to yell at you. And he like is so is proud po- of okay. himself because the, lib- the sort of liberal addendum to the book. No, where, where he's, he's like, and George Floyd was murdered, and so I published this book. Four months after that, and you're like... And he's just like, and I've realized that there's a lot going on in the world, and there's a lot of work to do, and yeah. I want to be a part of that change. And in this Kamala and Biden no, And he talks about and... going to the state dinner at the Obamas and, yeah. how, and how Jill Biden... Oh, wait, 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 I'm dead. That was the most, like, RBG-pilled insane thing where he gets sat next to... Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg! And he's like, I don't know, like, what to call, like, um, a, ju- you know, a justice. justice. So I was like... Mm, Ma- ju- no, no, Miss, he was, no, he was Justice Ginsburg. He, Justice Ginsburg, and he goes, and then footnote, none goes, other than then Jill, <laughs> Doctor Jill Biden said, "It's Madame Justice to you," and it's like, can the moms actually though like calm down for no, the absolute two insane Maddo pilled mom energy where it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. so Doctor Jill Biden for the past fourteen years has just been correcting people about like oh, okay. about middle aged women's titles. Which is, I feel like that's, I don't know if Jill Biden is a turf, but like it, it is it's very. It's so turf. I mean, so she t- has bangs. Yeah, she has the, she has the turf bangs. And it's so like, Jill Biden would like misgender someone, but would actually just be like, it's <laughs> Madame. So I lulled at that. It also made me think, have you ever seen the episode of No Reservations where. Um, no reservations. No <laughs> Reservation where Bourdain and Obama get St. Tows. Here's the thing about Bourdain that episode (laughs) to me is everything I hate about the moment we live in. Like, that is Bourdain, I think, is an amazing guy, and yet to me, he (laughs) became what I hate about the, I will say, and I've said it before, the pandemic of earnestness in our society, the true pandemic, which is just like lionizing these just like cool dads in Zegna jackets, (laughs) just like having fucking fucking street food because they're not afraid to come down and eat with real fucking people, man. It's actually, this book is the a little bit why it's so opposite from Bourdain is because like Bourdain's just, not invited to those fucking chef no. conferences. He's no, not no, no, no. he's not it's, with the chef David of Chai Noma. David is like not having sex. Oh, there's zero, zero sex, sex in this, this book. book. Well, he, he mentions his, dating girls and not working yes. out and then he meets his wife and they're like married. Well, and then he you know what I, I realized I I mean little, again like the Christianity I think that he's maybe just more prude and won't talk about it. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I think there was sex and I'm not saying he, I don't think he's a virgin until he meets his wife. Oh, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying at all but I'm just saying I think even by his time in the Momofuku landscape I think he was like fucking girls but like I, but I really think he was much more like cooking till two, going out, getting wasted, yeah. and like going home and passing out and ordering a pizza. Like I really, yes, he was like getting relationships, and then I think he was like screwing them up. Um, but it was less like you know I got a blowjob in the walk-in from the waitress. Yeah, no, there's no blowjobs in the walk-in. Whereas the Bourdain book is like every other second, he's just like, and the fucking bride is there on her wedding night, and yeah. I see my sous chef <laughs> railing <Yeah>. her <laughs> behind the low boy. Like, it's like, okay. Oh, wait, this is what's so insane. And again, it, it like back to his ego. When he talks about courting his wife, Grace, um, is he's like, we met at a barbecue and I, whatever, like we had our courtship. He's like, we're hanging out in my apartment. He's like, and then like my other chef friend comes over and she comes over with our other mutual friend who's actually like a really famous porn star. And so he's like, yeah, so they came over and just like 
she didn't we just like started like riffing and she didn't like blink an eye and she oh. like totally liked my friends and then, and then we watched Bojack ew. and like Orsa and I was like ew I was like cringy I was like I threw the book I no. was like oh straight people actually stop for two seconds I actually threw up in my mouth I was just like I'm sorry you were impressed by a chick cause she could hang with fucking your fucking hang with badass the friend. friend and like this fucking porn star and then watch Bojack Horseman like what fucking chick can do that that it was like this is this like something about Mary disease where it's like you don't actually like where a guy just thinks like a girl's guy but it's like the I guess the 2020 version of something about Mary where it's like you think right. that a that a fucking guy's girl is like someone who can watch Bojack Horseman right it's like not about her watching football it's not this like 80s girl who's like will watch football it's like she's watching Bojack which my just quickly my Spanish teacher who was like a white guy Spanish teacher okay who like married this Brazilian girl and he was like, so we went for a fucking hike in the Grand Canyon. And oh no, he was like, the night before I was going to propose, I took her, this is so David Chang, to an Almond Brothers concert. <clears throat> and I needed to make sure that she could fucking rock out at the Almond Brothers concert. And this is also him telling his students about his like weekend getting engaged. Okay. Like we're all supposed to applaud it, and then and then he fucking did propose on the Grand Canyon day after after she loved the Almond Brothers okay. concert. Can I say what this is though? This is straight people like don't know each other. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, that like, defines. Li- that's why straight people like marriages last for long. No, time. they last forever because they're like like literally a straight guy, a straight girl, like they don't know anything about each other. They, they just need one thing. They need for one, one common interest and they're like, cool, <laughs> we both like this one. We both like Bonnie Vare. We're going to date for 35 years. It's like, <laughs> what? Like, there's nothing in common. They, like, do not speak the same language. It's like... But that's almost probably why, like, straight people stay together longer than, like, right, right. gay people because, like, gay well, people all... fucking talk about everything and process everything and we need to, like... Well, as you know, lesbians stay together forever. <laughs> Yeah, You've but... never been in a relationship shorter than 11 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Nishi for a second. Yes, which I've never been. Okay. and It's now closed, so you'll never go. And I'll never go. And, you know, as we know, I'm Italian. Right. And reading it, of course, I was like, I feel like that was the thing. I was just, I was so mad that I've never been. And and the whole book is talks about how he got the worst reviews for it. Yeah. Because it was at the end of his career and people were so much harsher on him, namely Pete Wells. I think it either. was A, people were harsher, but B, with good reason, because it was, it pushed the sort of Momofuku brand too far. So the Momofuku brand is like, we're stripping down a lot of the Western conventions of hospitality that you're familiar with because like he wants to evoke some of that like feeding Strict. really good well, not so. I, I think, I, I, and more just like the more bare bones. Like you're getting the food. You're getting the food. And yeah, the food and it's is the about star. the food. And it's not about just like. So it's not about a I mean, Are he we actually, still working? It's not about are we still working? It's also like he's kind of anti som. Like he he references yes. at one point. He's like, I don't know what the fuck a sommelier does. Well, fame. I remember years ago reading some David Chang interview, and he was just like, I fuck, I like Miller High Life. I want piss beer, yeah. which I love. It's like, sure. you know, it's like some, and especially, I think, with some, like, sorts of spicy food, the best thing is, like, a Miller High Life. Sure. A Modelo, you know. Anyway, so Nishi was his restaurant he opened in 2016 in Chelsea, and the concept was, at first he wanted to open a Fuku, and then in very, which is the fried chicken chain, and then... In very Momofuku fashion, they're like we they're like constantly reiterating and changing. He was like, actually needs to be something totally different. And so he was like, let's do this kind of like Italian, but like with Asian ingredients. And like, let's think about what it would be like if like a Korean family was like dropped off in Turin and like had to use the ingredients there and like what would they make? Or like vice versa. Well, it was also about, I think, this chip on his shoulder about challenging the um Italian food prices versus Asian right. food prices. Which we did touch on earlier. Yeah. But, well, okay, there is a moment in um, an episode of Ugly Delicious I watched where he's at this dumpling place with Ali Wong, the comedian. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you know, you would pay like $28 for six raviolis, but you'd never pay $28 for, for six, six dumplings. dumplings. And he goes, doesn't that make you mad? And then Ali Wong just goes, 
I don't know, that, that doesn't make me mad. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to pay $28 for six dumplings. And she was like, and if Italian people like want to like overpay for Ravioli, it's like, that's kind of their issue. That's their, <laughs> that's their problem. And like, I don't need to like blow up the spot and like have every dumpling cost $28. That's not really my, my end game here. <laughs> I also do love just to bring it back for a second to when he first opened Noodle Bar and he thought that he had to do dumplings and then, but he didn't have time for it and right. he just scrapped it. And I thought that was just like cool that he was like, I'm actually don't need to like do this like labor intensive dumpling service. Let's just scrap the dumplings, which I just thought from a business, as a business person, from yeah. a business standpoint, <laughs> from, as, a, as a person of business experience, yeah, super business experience. I was like, that's super cool because it's like, it is, I feel like it is so white person to be like coming to an Asian restaurant and they're like looking at the menu and they're like, where are the dumplings? Are the dumplings are like it was. I'm kind of like into eating all the dumplings. Well, and I think that this is a real strength of David Chang and what he did to food is the like you know kind of changing expectations of dinners because when you go into a French restaurant, when you go into a Japanese restaurant, when you go into a Chinese restaurant, you have an expectation of a certain what's kind of food be and what's going to be what there. What you want to eat? And I think he sort of changed people's expectations and opened their minds to being like I I don't necessarily have like a rubric for what I think this restaurant's going to give yep. me and I'm open to it and like the flavors can be louder and like or they can be more delicate and I won't necessarily like be upset at like what I'm getting anyway Nishi was like offered up as this like momofuku so like stripped down bare bones but also like Italian elevated and Italian. elevated and so like we're 28 m- we're talking 28 to 36 and price ev- point maybe 20 to 36 price point and we're making everything like you know instead of parmesan we're using like um, oh my god I really wanted to so he talks about this chickpea. So Using, he talks about, yeah. cu- you know, a uh, famous Roman dish, cacio e pepe. Right. You know, and it's basically just as you talk in, may I bring up your pras, your Grub Street, it's, you know, I doubt that country is like, it's just like butter, parmesan, grana padano. Right. Like, I, mean, I, I can't, pepper. I literally can't even understand what you're saying because you're speaking in like such insane Chica voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> basically, whatever, cacio e pepe, yes. famous pasta dish, it's just like cheese, yes. butter, pepper. And he, takes the chickpea and ferments it so it basically becomes like cheese yeah. to use in this pasta which, which I is, was which I was kind of like okay pandemic um winter goals I like want to ferment well chickpeas. it's very molecular gastronomy and he looks up to the guy from El Bulli which is like famous for its molecular gastronomy like oh, this we haven't even talked about the Noma we need to talk about Noma because he also fucking drags well, well let me just get back the to pa- Nietzsche yeah. so we'll finish Nietzsche and then get to the pebbles here's my point I went to Nishi in one of the first two weeks that it opened. Here is Stephen's point. He's been to a lot of expensive restaurants. I, I go to a restaurant. I went with my brother and his girlfriend at the time because at the time it was walk up only, and we just like happened to get a table, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was insanely packed. The tables were like the thinnest like dowels you've ever seen. The seats were like these backless tiny wooden cubes that literally Kate Moss would not have fit on. Like it was the most uncomfortable. Okay, so it in the book. No, no, no. so. It, all the reviews that said it was a very uncomfortable experience were dead right because it was very uncomfortable to sit. It was incredibly loud. There was no fabric in the. Let me tell you something. If you're opening a restaurant, okay, and if it's going to be popular, you need fabric to absorb sound or people won't be able to hear each other talk. You need a carpet or a carpet on the wall or a banquette or something. You can't just have wooden tables, wooden chairs, tile floor, like un, un like unfabriced walls because every, the sound's going to bounce off. It's going to be insane. I could not hear people talk. It was so crowded. It took three hours to get the dish. And the thing is, so the dish was like elevated, like expensive, sexy food. It was very cool. Yeah. Like, but it was like, this isn't the experience felt very oppressive and like not worth it. It wasn't like. And this I, is coming from someone you you don't mind a loud restaurant. No, I love a loud restaurant. But because I like, was saying reading all these, I like. To hear you say that, to hear you say the seats were uncomfortable. Because I think when people who live in New York who are like, oh my God, my parents are coming to town. Like, they're like, they always want to be like, I'm cool and I'm going to take you to this cool restaurant. And it's like, what happens time and time and again, I think, is like, these these dads sit down. Mm. And they're like, this is not a seat. But Well, mom's in their backs. <laughs> you know, dad's in their butts. And so when I read that, I was like, so how uncomfortable, you know, were these chairs? And the food sounded like crazy delicious. The food was really cool. But for even you to be like, no, seriously, well, like the seats were like but this not is, 
I think this is where Chang misses the mark because I think that like, you know, there is an expectation of like a certain amount of refinement of the food to have. It needs a little bit more space to like By the way, he, he so he gets horrible reviews for Nishi and he almost commits suicide over the reviews, I'm which is bit like, are you being dramatic? I mean, I know he has issues with the mental health. Maybe I think he's not. I truly, no, I truly think he probably like did in this like epic chef way where it's like they're always on the brink. Yeah. What I do remember from Nishi. Is, what did you get? Like a I, pasta? It was like some tiny little pasta with like edible flowers on it. But what I remember about the plates, and this is what I want to say, it was the first time that I had seen like a heavy ceramic plate with a very small mm. lip, a heavy ceramic circular plate with a small lip. And that was the start of that plating trend. Yeah. And like now that is literally like, the dimes plate. Like it yes. is like the the common plate of like of like a kind of pretentious, Rough like un- an uncomfortable wooden backless seat restaurant is the heavy ceramic yeah. plate with the small lip. And then it got to me. It got to me thinking. It got to me, it thinking. Got to me thinking about plate okay. evolution. Right. Oh, that's actually super fun. Okay, so here's here's how I see it. So the '90s to me was like really, really big plate, very small actual serving area in the center of the plate, and an expensive restaurant. And like the more plate that didn't have food, the more you were like, "Oh, this it's is an fancy. expensive restaurant. This yes. is fancy. I'm paying for plate." It's what I'm paying for. Which I want to. I want to talk about this foraged restaurant I went to two years ago with. My girlfriend's family. Okay. Oh, um, that restaurant. Were, was uh, that so large plate, tiny portion? Y- yeah, and it was huge. So it the- was it was an uh, only foraged. Everything was foraged in the restaurant, and we got this the most ridiculous dish I've probably ever gotten in my entire life. Sure. So they come over and they're like, you know, it's just, it's like a popper deli with mushrooms or whatever, and the you know it's a husband and wife team. Wife is the chef. Husband fedora. Was the server. And he tells us that the eggs that have made the pasta are from nomadic chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and they took basically the chickens on a road trip so that the chickens would get different um, – they would eat in different places. You know, New Hampshire, mm. Vermont, Maine. And it's like – Okay, so the New Hampshire yeah, grass is yeah, so different. So it's it's actually, the, the you know, ironically, it's actually grassier, and it and it's just like okay, so now like you're making these chickens so fucking nauseous. You've burned how much fuel? Can we talk about that climate girl, the, change? The chickens in the back of this truck, just yeah. like girl, where are we going? going now? Yes, <laughs> can I lay my eggs and get it over with? So these chickens have gone to fucking four states, eating different grains across like the tri-state. And we end up, and it was the with this gorgeous pasta that was absolutely gorgeous, but the plate was massive and then little indent with the pasta in it. So right. we're just getting so much surface. Yeah. Little indent. You're paying for surface area. Yeah. And then this pasta, and I mean this pasta, and it's just like the amount that the chickens ate from five different states. Could you taste it? Could you taste the Vermont dirt? I truly could not taste the Vermont dirt, and oh. now I'm not a dirt psalm. No, you're not, and you need to work on your palate. Yeah. I will say Nordic cuisine is... The- I just feel like those people, they wanted to be Nordic, they wanted to be pebble. Yeah. The pebblery is out of control. And sometimes <laughs> you have to make up your foraging system, so they were like, fuck, let's drive chickens around for a week. Well, right, because it's like it, at Noma or whatever, they're like, okay, like we found some random farmer who like feeds his chicken like only this like whenever type of wheatgrass and like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, we're just kind of pulling shit out of our ass at this point in the tri-state. We're just like, no, actually, I took the chicken to Montreal. But, really, it's like Montreal-based grain. Um, I went And then to... they told us at this restaurant, it was so crazy because we were like, oh, like, do, um, do you know, do you guys like forage in New York? And then they got like so crazy and offended and we're just like, we would never forage in New York. It's because, like, aren't you supposed to be local? Right, because the chemicals. And so now you're this like fucking outsourced forager. Oh, and now he thinks you're like a Dow chemical lobbyist. Right. For, and like, the, but then, the... and then they gave us a honeycomb for dessert. That was sourced in New York. That was sourced from a block away. So I'm just like, well, it's, the bees. The bees are different. Calling it collapse. Thank you. Celebrity book club segment, segment menu. menu. There we go. There yeah. we go. So the segment menu is prefix, and there's a what does she wear? What does, what does she, she eat? eat? And how, how does, does she, she live? live? Um, and it'll be thirty five. And if you want an additional wine, 
tasting, that's an additional 37. Sorry, I actually misspoke. It's 235 and then add truffles, it's 70. Additional 70, so it's 295. Okay, so let's do how does he live. So how does he live? So I watch, I mean... I want whatever in the first episode. Did you see his house from Ugly Delicious? It is kind of cool. It's very um, big drawer wood paneled. Like walnut. Yeah, it's walnut, light, light walnut, half open, I would say. Like there's an island, but it's not, you know, half of it is closed. It's like you can walk up to the island, but it's not like massive open kitchen. But then the living room is just kind of like so big sectional. It's like comfort, well, you know? what's funny is that so during his whole like, you know, opening Momofuku era when he's becoming a chef, like his say, style. It's like nasty. It's nasty. Yeah. It's it's very mattress on the floor. It's very the style Straight that guy like. guy meme like. But like that girls on Twitter pretend that they don't like but they're actually obsessed with of just like guys, guys who have, who have a mattress, mattress on the floor, floor and like are alcoholic fuck boys right and, like, and he talks about like how he fully like unplugged the fridge and it was just like nasty and nothing's on the walls and it's pizza boxes and so now, I think I guess, now like, that he's super... married I feel like he has this rug that I saw there was a New York Times article about that's called The Rug that's like this <laughs> Amazon, that's like this well, Amazon don't rug don't you think that his wife owns the jacket oh his wife owns the jacket this... the jacket is this jacket I got for my sister for Christmas. But it's the jacket that like every, I saw a TikTok about Tribeca Wives and and literally this girl was like, you need the jacket. And it's this like loose kind of like foxy, boxy, flappy, pockety, like down, like puffy jacket. Well, and my sister says she gets like nods from people who have the jacket when she Stop. sees her in other the jacket. jacketers yeah. literally like give each other the yeah, nod and of recognition like jacket sisterhood of being like wink the jacket but she also is just like yeah like I mean it's the it's, most Alice in Roman culture thing of just being like, like the jacket the, the stew rug. the rug the well, apartment I did the rug article it was like the, before there was the jacket there was the rug anyway so I feel like his, his house it's like no um, they have the rug I mean that's what I mean I think that they're very just kind of like bland neutrals way well it's like, bland a, like elevated way I would say like when yes when I've like cleaned I feel like they live in like randomly like a flat iron 7th Ave 6th Ave 17th place yeah and unless he still lives in the East Village and it's I've seen the homes there it's very just like they're so close to Bed Bath and Beyond yeah. the home takes on a BB&B takes on a vibe. BB&B where it's like the organization is so b and there are bins there, it's, it's bins it's method spray yeah. it's you know it's not as nice as it should be no, because also it's chef life. It's like they're so busy. It's comfortable, you yeah. know. So, um, what does he wear? Okay, so he wear? we don't. He a, wears like he's um, a, here's a working. Like it's like uh, it's kind of Everlane. I want to say. Well, here's style. my thing. I, I think the thing about Dave is yeah. that he's a big boy who like yeah. I don't think he totally like I think he's like the classic candidate for like a what not to wear or like yes, a tan France like, yes, to come so. in because and be he's like, not you really need like, to wear something that fits your body, body type like, you don't need to wear these you huge don't. shirts well, I, like how well, good I does actually that think feel? that he wears like tight Too, stuff that doesn't fit him I mean across the board if he I could feel just like, like wear if he did like big man like indie style just like Carhartt's and like a jacket like he would look so much better no I know if he was like actually Carhartt jacket done what how does, does he, he eat? eat I mean I mean it's he's a chef okay, he's a we chef gotta, we, we gotta cover he loves food episode. trucks he like what he eats he with actually all the- doesn't really love food trucks well okay but in some way I do think I do think he sort of paved the way for food truck culture in a way because it's like it's all about just like elevated stuff for well, the masses and it's it's what the chefs no, eat when they get yes, off work but you know it he doesn't even really talk about is where he opened up his L.A. restaurant is where Ron Choi had a restaurant who he actually did invent food trucks. Ron Choi is who the movie Chef is based off of. Right. He invented the like Korean fusion right. food truck. Basically, he's kind of like so. And I feel like David Chang is very jealous. Is a little bit jealous in that way. And he kind of just references Ron Choi like once. Yeah. No, but he's doesn't de- really go into it. Um, so because and, he tried to invent the Korean Chipotle and it failed. Yeah, that was what sambar originally was supposed to be. And then, but it turned into a wonderful sambar. So. Yes, but I think it. Well, it's funny because watching him in this ugly, delicious at home, he actually still was being so chef and was being so like, ugh, there's like nothing in the fridge, and I'm making this like nasty dish for my wife that she craves for some reason, and it was like soybean paste and rice. But he is a little bit like you know, I know he's canceled, but Batali snacks where it's just like, okay, it's snacks. Time, like, let me get a, a couple cucumbers, yeah, a little bit of in. oil, some like some chili pepper, yeah. <laughs> some dashi, some furikake, 
bam. And it's just like pouring spices bam, and yeah. it is delicious and it is cucumber, but like it actually tastes really good and like it's delicious. I and his say kid one is of like a king. The funniest things that he said that I feel like is so true and I think like called me out when I think I'm trying to be such a chef at home. He was like, if I see one more fucking radish as a garnish on a menu, <laughs> yes. I will lose my mind. And it's like, that is so like me at home. If I'm like trying to like spark up a dinner, being like, what if I like put radishes on this? I mean, they do They're offer- colorful. They're the color. Crisp. The bright white. The bright red. It's and like- I think that's obviously totally fine for a home, a home, a home cook like myself. But yeah. I'm sure it's like he was just seeing that played out and played out and played out. Okay, wait. Who are you in the book? This is- it was kind of great. I was like, usually in the books we read, I think of it throughout. I was actually terrified that I was David Chang, but I, but the thing is I was, cause I know that I can be a little bit, um, intense sometimes about yeah. like mm, final creative products. Final creative process and But I was like, but I'm not and... abusive and in soon. No. And I don't use my menacing physical stature to terrorize my subordinates. No, obviously. I don't have subordinates. There's a little. I wish I did. There's a little bit sure, like your your sharp tongue, it comes out in such a different way. Thank which you. is almost harsher. I think David Chang has this full baby tantrum when he freaks out, and you're a little more will just like say something like super sharp and cutting. Mm. And more of then, an Oscar Wilde. If yes, you will. exactly. And then maybe like, why the fuck isn't it like this how I want it? So Sure, maybe you're 10% Chang. Okay, do I, I think you're maybe kind of the gruff bartendress at that Midtown bar that he goes to with Anthony <laughs> oh, Bourdain, yeah. who and oh. David Chang is just like, um, could we have a seat by the window? Because like my famous friend like gets talked to a lot and she's like, oh, honey, Johnny, Tony, Johnny? Huh, he's sitting at the bar already. <laughs> <laughs> I also kind of think like, maybe I'm toasty, like maybe I am the milk bar, like. And yeah, I'm you're just... launching this pastry empire? I don't know. <laughs> Um, You're so not like sweet tooth pastry girl. No, I was more just thinking. I feel like she's a little more like calm, cool, and collected to David Chang's like okay. mania. Sure. I don't think I'm a pastry girl, right? Because I'm not like you I'm actually. Like, you're not, no, don't I'm like. Cookies, I'm so really. savory. Yeah. Like yes, I'll have. This like, is a savory podcast. Yeah. Like yes, whatever. They're like compost, like crack cookies or whatever that they serve. <laughs> like I am like yum, but it's like. I will so much rather have like another serving of bosom before I have a cookie. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think I'm the bartendress. Oh wait, can I just say something that I completely forgot to mention? So the restaurant he opens in Sydney, oh, the yeah. accolade that it wins from the Sydney Morning Herald, two hats. Stop. <laughs> two hats. Two hats. Two hats. It got two hats. That's that's the highest. That's the most hats that any new restaurant's gotten in years. At the same time, I kind of think like who we are on the book. Like we're kind of just like two people standing in line no, I at know. Momofuku. We're at line at like every Momofuku yeah, and for like, noodles we're at talk- 10.30. Or we're the two people who come in at 10.30 p.m. for that last meal and he's like, you do you not think- discriminate against those guests. Yeah, because, because you, you don't, don't know. know what they, what, you don't know where they're coming from through. or why they want to come in here for grub at 10.30 and they deserve it's, a good meal like everyone it's else. It's so funny. He's like, fuck someone who like talks shit about the plate, but he has such a respect because I think this is the ethos of Momofuku is the late night eater. Yes. yes. We just got off work, bitch. And it's just like, yeah, we just got off work. And like, we just finished we just podcasting. Like it, and we, and we want to like spend $80 on cocktails and ramen. <laughs> well, listen, I think that Dave Chang is a revolutionary. He's a revolutionary. He's controversial. He's actually really not a controversial He's character. literally not a controversial figure <laughs> Only to at all. us, I guess. He's a revolutionary. No, he I has think people, demons. No, but people in the food industry, like, if you mention him, they will be like, oh, well, some people I mean? like hothead. So he is, you know. Yeah, he is. I think um, to read this book, I feel like at first I was like, I love it. In the middle, I was kind of like, yeah. By the end, I was like, ah, I'm, I'm wrapped. Up. I got way more into it by the end yes. because I was like, okay, you are like talking about stuff that I want to hear about. You're, you're. I want to compare it a little bit to an Apatow movie. What movie? All Apatow movies that are two and a half hours long. Oh, that are are literally three and a half hours long. And this book isn't even that long, but you're into the uh, beginning. It feels long with the footnotes. That's what I'm saying. It feels long. And you're kind of into it, but there are slow points. And you're like, can we wrap this up a little bit? By the end, you're like, sure, I liked it. Yeah. It's just, it's very, very about his own demons. Stuff. So I think, I mean, I think if you're into food, if you're into David Chang, I would say read it. I would say if you're not, like... I, what's interesting is like there's not a ton of like food well, content. Well, I was uh, I it's, like, was not really that. Food I was gonna focused. say like in my early notes, about, like recipes. It was like shit. I might be more interested 
if he talked more about like, oh, how we can Food, move with the full yes. like palate of this restaurant. Because whenever like, he was like, oh, and then we tried this with like the the chickpeas and we fermented this, I was like, I might be more interested. And yeah. maybe he thinks he's like played that out so much in all of his articles for Lucky Peach and the and the show. Yeah. And this was clearly this was like his psychological journey. I do wish there was more actual food talk. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, you know, for, I like, don't... total food nerds, you know what I mean? Forget every one food memoir, I would still say read Kitchen Confidential. Yeah. But if you want a second, if you want a follow-up, I think it makes a very interesting companion piece to Kitchen Confidential. Absolutely. And, like, a new generation deal- of chefs. New generation and... Different and, types of foods. So also, well, someone also, from who same, is more of a vision, much more of an actual visionary Actual visionary food. who changed food in a very different way as Where an actual Where I think Bourdain chef. changed food writing. He changed food. Well, I think he also changed the way people perceive the food the, industry. So the chef, yes, yeah. in the industry. Um, so I give it like, I'm going to say I give it 3.5 peaches. bows. Okay, yeah. I give it three and a half peaches as well. Yeah. This was a super medium quality book, and I'm very excited to get into our next memoir. Um, I'm truly so excited. It's by Jennifer Lewis, and the book is The Mother of Black Hollywood. Jennifer Lewis, famous black actress. She's been in many she movies. She literally has been in everything. She's been in, like, every mainstream black comedy um, sitcom movie Broadway sitcom movie Broadway you probably most recently know her from playing Anthony Anderson's mother on Blackish hit sitcom Blackish ABC ABC Wednesday City <laughs> um, so we're gonna dig into her memoir and um, feel free to read along or don't also make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBC the pod and again please rate us and like leave a super fun review like stretch your David Chang muscle and just like leave a review and write it, and like yeah, dig into eater culture, dig into Yelp culture. Review, okay? tell us what, what you mean? really think. Unless it's less than five stars, in which keep it to yourself, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, ciao, ciao, um, mucho ciao. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank um, you so much for listening. We'll see you at Momofuku Las Vegas. Okay, bye. Buy your tickets. Ciao. Bye. <laughs> Uh, Celebrity Book Club is presented by Prologue Projects and HeadGum. The show is produced by Meg Murnane. She's, like, literally fucking awesome. With editorial support from Andrew Parsons and Leah Nafak, who's actually the best in the biz. Like, actually go get beers with this guy if you know what's good for you. Engineering by Ferris Manchi, my dog. Original theme song by Stephen Phillips' horse, Genius. Artwork by Teddy Blanks at Chips NY, another god. Follow us on Twitter at CBCThePod. Subscribe on your favorite fucking app, you loser. Leave us a review. Don't forget to tell your friends about us. It's like, let's just like all fucking hang out or something. I don't know. Like, you seem like good people. Dude, let's order strippers. (laughs) That was a HeadGum Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.